I'm Sean Delaney, and you're listening to What Got You There. What Got You There is a must-follow for entrepreneurs, leaders, and people looking for high performance in business and in life. Now, each week, I sit down with one of the world's most successful people and focus on the journey behind their success. We uncover the strategy, mindsets, and habits that help them get there. Now it's your journey, so it's time to learn what's going to get you there. And if you want access to over 300 episodes and insights with game changers and change makers, head to whatgotyouthere.com, where you can also subscribe to my Momentum Monday newsletter. Hey guys, it's Sean, and today on the podcast, I do an Ask Me Anything episode where I answer the questions that you've sent in. It's been about a year since I've done an, an Ask Me Anything type format, and I really felt the need to connect with you guys a bit more. So I answer some incredible questions that you sent over. Things like, what are the most important or impactful mindsets in my life? How do I prioritize and focus on time management? And then how do I stick to my routines even when I'm feeling a lack of motivation? I also dive into some of the most impactful conversations and stories on this podcast and so much more. So please enjoy this Ask Me Anything episode. Who's ready to say goodbye to manual work and save your brain for the big stuff that truly matters in your work? Well, in the new book, Automate Your Busy Work, SaaS CEO and no-code enthusiast Ida Kintonk provides a guide on how to finally have the time to accomplish your most important work. So if you're looking for a blueprint to help make the most of your time and focus on truly what matters, order the book today by going to automateyourbusywork.com. Dot com. That's automateyourbusywork.com. Have you been looking for expert on-demand marketing assistance for your business? If so, then I think you're going to be interested in hearing about Marketer Hire. Now, Marketer Hire has made it easy to hire great marketers that are pre-vetted and hand-matched so you can get proven help with your business in less than a week. That's why it's trusted by big companies like Chanel, Netflix, and Puma, and also individual creators like myself. Whatever your marketing hire needs are, Marketer Hire has an expert waiting to help you with your project. It doesn't matter if you're looking to build out an entire team of marketers or just work with an expert marketer a few hours a week. Marketer Hire can handle your needs. And the best part, if you sign up using the link try.marketerhire.com forward slash WGYT, you get an automatic $500 credit to try out on your first hire. It's literally risk-free hiring and no downside with no long-term commitments and no cancellation fees. So go get your $500 credit today by going to try.marketerhire.com forward slash WGYT. All right, let's dive into this first question. So they asked, you start many of your podcasts off by asking the guests, what is the most impactful mindset they have had that has helped them achieve their success? What for you has been the most impactful mindset? So for me, the most impactful mindset, I would say I'm very good at painting pictures of a better future, both for myself and the people in my life. And then I'm able to get to work quickly to bring that picture of a better future to fruition in the now. So the mindset behind that is we have the power to choose who we become. And yes, I'm saying this to everyone out there. We have the power to choose who we become. It's an active choice. And now that starts off with envisioning that future, that future better version of yourself that you would like to be, and then taking actions in the present moment that align with that future version of yourself. So once again, this, this choice is about taking responsibility for ourselves, our life, our responses. And that responsibility is key in order for making this happen. So if you don't take time to imagine 
that that image you you want to get to, who you want to become, then you're stuck reacting to becoming whatever person life carries you towards instead of being the creator of your future. Now, I'm sure as you're listening to this, you're probably like imagining this extraordinary or better version of yourself that you would hope to be or embody at some point in time. And the people who make a real impact in the world are those who fall passionately in love with who they can become and then take consistent action that is in line with the values and behaviors of that ideal self, right? It's like the person who wants a very good body. They're envisioning a better body in the future and they're able to show up at the gym consistently and eat the right things in order to attain that body. So they're sacrificing their their happiness in the short term for happiness in the long term, or let's call it comfort in the short term for comfort or the embodiment of ourselves at a better version in the future. So you're probably asking, okay, where where do we get practical with this and where do we start? So I would say, number one, ask yourself, what is or who is the ultimate version of myself I hope to become someday? Just, just get that picture in your head of who you're working to become and tie some emotion to this. Visualize it. Think about where you're be, what you look like, who you're interacting with. So that's the first thing. Who is the ultimate version of yourself you're trying to become someday? Next, what is the action that you could take right now that the ultimate version of yourself would take as well? What would they do right now in the moment? Not 20 years in the future. What would they do right now? And then take action. Take that action that future version of yourself would take. And you keep doing this over time, and guess what happens? You become that person. So you picture a better future, a better version of yourself. You think about how they would act, what ideas they would have, beliefs they would have, thoughts they'd have, actions they would take, and then you take those actions, and you do that again and again consistently. So I would say that's the main one. I I know that encompasses a number of different mindsets that I've been cultivating over the years, such as just having the the inner belief in yourself, uh, the optimism that the future can and will be better than my present-day circumstances, um, also the imagination and visualization, uh, and the mindset of just getting to work, right? So many people talk, talk, talk. It's like, let's put some action behind those things. So those are some of the mindsets that are embodied in that. But, But the top of mind mindset is that we have the power to choose who we become. All right, so that was a great question. The next is, how do you approach task prioritization and time management? So in an ideal situation and when things don't go as planned and your day pivots away from you, how do you adapt? This is great, right? So many of us have a plan going into the day, but what happens when stuff comes up, right, as it always does, and it knocks us out of alignment with our schedule or what we had prioritized? So I would say for me, and there's gonna be some broad themes here I wanna hit on. First off is get clarity about what's most important to you in life and what your highest priority things are that you're working on at that time period. So you really do need to get crystal clear on your main priorities and most important tasks that are gonna drive your biggest results and schedule your time to get those done. And for me, it's about getting those done sooner in the day, especially if we're doing this to be more flexible or more adaptable because if we can control a bit more earlier in the day, then if things get thrown out of whack in the afternoon, it's like, all right, I already did my big priorities that knocked down a bunch of dominoes, so I'm not as concerned. So that's the first thing, is really getting clear on what's most important, broad perspective in terms of life, but then also in, in the immediate future, what are the, the priorities and the tasks I need to do and schedule those early so you can get them done. They should be the first things you're diving into. You also have to go into this knowing that you'll need to be adaptable, right? So many of the times when problems arise, 
The problem on top of that is our mental and internal dialogue, where we get super pissed that our schedule's out of whack and this thing just landed on our desk, and we become really critical and pissed off. Instead of just focusing on what needs to get done, we end up spending all this time, energy, and effort on just complaining about what has just transpired. So it's like instead of complaining, let's just redirect that energy to focus and actually doing the work. So that's really kind of the broad themes there. But then I've also gotten really, really freaking clear on what an ideal day looks like for me, right? Like great scenario, what does an ideal look day look like for me? What do I need to, to do to get done so I feel like I'm making progress in my life? Now, this has been the result of years of experimentation and adapting with what's working, what's not, and a lot of self-reflection in terms of what I'm going after. But a, a few of the main big buckets that I try to put attention on every day, no matter how packed my day is. Now, this is really crucial. I just said no matter how packed my day is. No matter what, I'm going to prioritize these things and make sure I'm getting them done. I see so many people, they say that health's really important or family's really important, whatever that thing is. And then when a day gets busy, that's the first thing they eliminate. And I go the complete opposite way. When my day's really busy, I think about my top priorities, which I'll dive into here in a minute, and my top big buckets in life. And I figure out how I can make those happen no matter how busy my day is. I think that's a really big switch. So for me, it's really about getting crystal clear on what's most important, what are my big buckets I'm gonna put attention to, and then making sure I schedule time every single day to do those. So first off, big buckets here, we've got family, right? Like, am I there to wake up my kids and then put them to bed at night and actually spend some undivided, really present time with them? You know, that that's crucial for me. And this doesn't have to be hours and hours and hours because there's certain days where I just don't have those hours. The majority of the days I do, and I've cultivated my schedule to be able to to do that. But there's there's certain days where there's a lot of travel or something like that. So I want to be there for when they wake up. I want to put them to bed and I want to have some present time with them, undivided attention where it's just me fully with them. So that's number one family. Next is physical health, mental health, um, working out. I prioritize my health and fitness because when I'm I'm moving better, uh, I'm working out, I'm sticking to that routine, I feel so much better, both mentally, physically, spiritually, whatever it is, it tackles so many buckets for me. So like I said, there might be a day where, where I'm flying or I'm traveling. Even if I have an early flight, um, I'll, I'll jump on the Aerodyne bike for 15 minutes and just to spike my heart rate and get that up. And then maybe when I'm in the airport, I'm gonna keep moving. I'm not gonna go sit right when I get to my terminal. I'm gonna move, try to get as many steps as possible. So I'm prioritizing my health. And that's really important for me. So I figure out how I can do that and build that into my schedule. The next thing is, is I love learning. Like I truly just love learning and I'm constantly trying to build that into my day. So if it's a day that I have complete control over, I'm spending a lot of time learning, reading, consuming new things. And if it's a day I'm traveling or I'm super busy, I'm at least trying to learn something that day. So for me, those are three really big buckets, family, physical, mental health, and learning. Uh, I try to make sure that I prioritize those and schedule those every single day. Hey guys, it's Sean and I have some exciting news. We have a new sponsor of the show today and that's Caldera Lab. So it's time to say goodbye to the generic face wash on your counter because Caldera Lab is here to save the day when it comes to your skin. Now, it's backed by a leading clinical trial where 9 out of 10 men experienced healthier and visibly improved skin. Caldera Lab really does have the tools to unlock your best first impression and confidence. And if you're like me and you're constantly looking for high-performance men's skincare that's vetted by science, packed with nature's most pure and potent ingredients, then Caldera Lab is exactly what you're looking for. 
Now, that's why I've been using Caldera Labs regimen twice a day. Now, this routine helps me cleanse my skin, moisturize it throughout the day, and then reduce the visibility of wrinkles and fine lines. Now, I heard about Caldera Lab from NFL Hall of Famer Tony Gonzalez. And after trying it, I actually reached out to Caldera Lab and I said, you guys need to come on the podcast as a sponsor because your stuff works. And I have an exclusive offer just for listening to the podcast so you can try it for yourself and find out why so many men trust Caldera Lab for their skincare needs. So just use code Delaney at calderalab.com for 20% off their best products. So just for listening to the podcast, you get 20% off today by using code Delaney. That's D-E-L-A-N-E-Y at calderalab.com. And so a follow-on question to this is, is how do you balance the personal or your personal life and work given your flexible schedule? So I create my own schedule. So I'm assuming this question is coming from, okay, I have a bit more control of my schedule. How then do I really balance that? How do I know if I'm putting too much time to work or too much time to family? How, how do I wrestle with that? And I think this gets back to the priorities and clearly identifying what's important and what needs to get done. You, you see, how I work is is not for everyone. So plenty of people hearing this, this, this will not be applicable, I don't think, but the underlying themes will be. And so for my entire life, I really did not report to anyone. I hated it. If someone told me to do something, I would end up probably doing the opposite just because I didn't like it. So I always felt like I was reporting for myself. So for me, working for myself and, and prioritizing my, my day is actually super easy. It's what I love to do. And I feel I need to do that to be in control. And so that's the first thing is understanding actually how you operate best. And for me, this is how I operate best. It's a strength for me. So for other people, if this isn't a strength, you need to get aligned in terms of how do you bring the strengths of what you can do into the way that you work. And that's one of the things that, that I think helps a lot is just understanding your strengths, where your weaknesses is in the category, and then figure out how you can double down on your strengths and eliminate some of those weaknesses. So I, I'm clear on, on where, what, and who my time is going towards. And so for my family, we try to have a few key times all together where phones are away, it's just us being present, playing. And I prioritize that, like I was saying a minute ago, into my day. And so how I get my work done is 80% of the time, I'm fully immersed in what I'm doing without distractions. I see so many people who, who might work for themselves or control their schedule, they divide their time and attention like it's so unimportant. And for me, it's so important. I put so much effort and thinking into how I'm going about my day and how I'm going to be fully immersed in my time with my family, in my time with work. So when I'm working, I break it down into basically three different work segments per day, all right? So I'm super early riser. I Naturally, I rise up extremely early in the morning. And so my first, let's call it work block, is basically between 4 a.m. and 6.30 in the morning. So don't hear this and be like, oh, well, he gets up at four. No, I'm not saying you need to get up super early. If that works for you, great. It works for me. I don't set an alarm. That's when I get up, okay? So I'm gonna get to work. I'm gonna get doing my things at that time. And in that morning block, when no one else is usually awake in my house, that's when I'm doing personal growth, planning, reflection, reading, going super deep on, on some bigger themes and topics because my, my mind is really lucid at the time. I'm ultra creative. So I try to prioritize those type of work activities during that time. And then my other big block is between nine and noon. 
those are kind of the main tasks, right? Those main, main, main priorities for the day, the bigger buckets that I need to move forward myself and my business, that's what's going on between nine and noon because I'm pretty laser focused, I'm pretty clear, and I protect this time. And then around noon, one, I end, I get back in the office around 1.30 to about four. A lot of times there might be calls. If I'm doing calls, I try to go for a walk while I do the calls, kind of miscellaneous, tedious activities. So, so I'm saying this because I'm very clear on how I'm gonna break down my day how I work best and how then I schedule the the peak periods during those times. And so what I mean by that is in the morning, like I said, I'm really loose to with my thinking. So that's when I'll, I'll learn, reflect. And then that nine to noon bucket, I, I'm pretty dialed in. Uh, I'm pretty laser focused at that time. So I can do some big major tasks in the afternoon. My brain's pretty fly, fried by that point. And so then I'll do some calls, just emails, things like that. And, and so if you're trying to coordinate your schedule, step back, reflect, think about how you work best, what are the times you can do those things, and then protect that time. If you're super clear on what your values are, what's most important, what your priorities are, then schedule them. Make the time for that. So that's gonna be one of the really key things I think will be helpful for that. I also had another question come through around routines. And the question is, I've heard and read about all the best routines and I have trouble sticking to them when I'm lacking motivation. How do you stick to a routine when you don't feel like it? And what's your routine right now? So this is from Abby from Philadelphia. All right, so Abby, first off, let me start by saying, if anyone tells you they have the perfect morning routine for everyone, they're absolutely full of shit. There's no perfect routine. We're all so different. We have so many different things going on in our life, things that we're going after, and we all experience so many changes day to day, week to week, uh, month to month. So my routine right now, today while I'm recording this, is so much different than it will be, let's call it in the fall, in September, October. We're expecting our third child. My schedule is going to be thrown out of whack big time. And so that's a cru crucial thing is knowing that your schedule changes. It needs to be flexible. It needs to adapt over time. And that's fine. So that's where we need to start. There are no perfect routines, and your routine will most likely evolve and change as your life changes. And this is okay. Because in the past, what would happen is I would be so resistant and frustrated if things knocked me out of my routine. Now, I think about the foundational principles and elements I want my routine to provide for me and then figure out a way to incorporate it into those days, into my days, right? And so what I mean by that is what do I want my routine to provide for me? What is the point of my routine? What am I trying to get out of it? So you might hear people say, okay, I need to get up for, uh, at four in the morning, right? I need to meditate for 20 minutes. I need to read for an hour. I need to work out for an hour. I'm going to do an ice bath, et cetera, et cetera, all the, the bro uh, hack tips, right? And what I do is I think about what I'm trying to do and why. So in my life, I want to be really freaking awesome in terms of my shape and my health, right? Like not okay shape but great shape because I want to I want to be physically there for my kids when they're older. I want to be able to go play sports in the yard. I want to be able to swim. I want to be vibrant. I want to be able to go on vacation, hike the Rocky Mountains, whatever it is, right? And, and so for me, that's really freaking important. So my routine needs to be able to provide that. And so when I think about that, I'd say, okay, what type of routine do I need to have so that at the drop of a hat, my best friend could call me right now and saying, hey, man, we're going hiking in the Rocky Mountains for three days. You in? I'm like, hell yeah, I'm in because I'm physically fit. So what type of routine do I need? And so that's why I prioritize physical health and exercise every single day. And so people are going to say, okay, but you're going to have to make all these sacrifices. And I'm like, hell yeah, I'll make those sacrifices. I'll sacrifice some other times so I can prioritize health because that's what I want to get at the end. I want to be able to do physical activities with, with my family and my loved ones. And so that's what I mean by the why 
to me, that's so much more important. So I'm not really lacking motivation there, and I'll get into motivation more, but I, I'm so enthralled about what that routine is going to give me that it makes it much easier to stick to the routine. So around motivation, I don't rely on motivation because motivation is fleeting. There's been days I'm super freaking inspired. I'm motivated out the gills, right? And I could do anything. And then guess what? There are days where I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I'm drained, I don't want to work, I don't feel like working out. It happens to everyone, okay? We all have them. Motivation is fleeting. So I'm not trying to rely on motivation. What I'm trying to do is I'm uncovering the why behind it, okay? working out. Why do you want to work out every single day? Okay. I want to live my best life and I need to make sure damn sure I'm working out every single day. So the decision for me is already made. So I don't allow excuses to get in the way. Why? Because I have such a powerful why. And I'm thinking about that future, better version of myself that we were talking about earlier. And what do I need to do in the present moment to become that person? And so that's crucial for me. And so if you can't show up the days you're lacking motivation, then either your why isn't powerful enough or you're not enough pain to make the change happen, right? We're, we're gonna change if our why, if that vision we're going towards is powerful enough, or if we're in so much pain that we just have to change. That's how we're gonna change. And so if you're really truly lacking motivation and you just can't muster up the energy to do it, I'd explore those two things. Hey guys, it's Sean, and we are about to dive right back into this episode, but before we do, I wanted to take less than a minute to tell you about my online personal development course called You Unleashed. Now, over the years, I've personally coached CEOs, executives, and professional athletes, and I've interviewed over 300 of the world's most successful people on this podcast, and my course, You Unleashed, compiles the most important routines, mindsets, and skills that you need to skyrocket the success in your own life. Now, you will learn these things over 19 video lectures that I'm going to teach you in this course, and you can find out more about the course by heading to whatgotyouthere.com forward slash you dash unleashed, or you can click the link below. Now, that's whatgotyouthere.com forward slash you dash unleashed. Um, to, to give you a little more context to in, in how this looks, so like I said, another element is the, the learning for me. And so there isn't a day that goes by that I'm not reading or doing some type of learning, self-reflection. And I've studied hundreds, if not thousands of people. And the reoccurring theme is that they're all voracious learners. Let me say that again. I've studied hundreds, if not thousands of people. And what they've done, the people who have achieved success, and when I say success, I'm I'm throwing that out as a broad term, but it, it's not just financial. It's also mental, spiritual, family relationships, things like that a fully successful life, and all of them, every single one, are lifelong learners. They're learning till the day they die. And so that's my principle. I'm, I'm a voracious, lifelong learner, and I'm going to feed my mind and soul with ideas, books, and people that enrich my life every single day. So to do that, like I was saying, I need to carve out protected times. And some days it's easier, but you need to make the time. It, the, the way I actually was thinking about this recently I was watching a documentary on the Dalai Lama and Archbishop Desmond Tutu. I think it might be called Joy or Happiness. I think it might be Joy. Um, and the Dalai Lama was saying that his alone time is the most important time he takes each day. The Dalai Lama said the most important time he takes is his alone time each day. And he calls this, and I love this phrase, sacred time. You, you see, sacred time is much different than this is my routine. No, no, no. This, this time that I'm learning, this time that I'm working out, this time I'm spending self-reflecting, this is sacred time. And I think when you phrase it like that, it puts an entire different context into how you're thinking about that bit of time 
in your schedule. So start with what you're truly going after. Know why you're going after it. Get super clear on that. And it's going to make it much easier when you're trying to push on, persist through. You've got to have a big why. You need to think about the future, better version of yourself you're working towards. And and so that's really clear. And and so once I'm clear on what I'm going after that vision, I just design the system to make it happen, right? So just really back into that. All right, you want this outcome in the future. What do you need to do each day to make that happen? And and so that's around motivation, routines. So all in all, motivation is going to be fleeting. Really tap into your why, the vision you're going after, Know there's going to be no perfect uh, routine or plan. It's going to adapt and evolve as you do and as life throws you different things. And motivation, it's going to continue to ebb and flow. On days where you're really motivated, I don't know, maybe push it a little bit harder. On days you're not, stick to your plan, stick to your routine, think about that future better version of yourself and think about what you need to do in this moment to become that. All right, let's see. Few other questions we've got here. Oh, this one's good. You've been around and worked with a lot of great coaches outside the locker room, meaning professional life, etc. And they're asking how they defer or are similar to coaches inside the locker room, meaning coaches in sport. All right. So I would sum this up. I think the best coaches, the best leaders, first off, they move the human heart. The French general de Sachs said this hundreds of years ago. They move the human heart. The best leaders I've been around, the best coaches, they move me on a different level. There is something inside of me that they bring out that feels bigger than myself that I am compelled and drawn to and will work my ass off for. So that is first. The best coaches, whether it's on the field or off the field, they move the human heart. Next, I think the best coaches, they show me a potential within myself that I'm not even sure I knew was there. Right? Maybe there were times where I was like, I think I could do this. I think I'm capable of this. But the best coaches, they show me that potential that is within myself even when I'm questioning it. Next, I would say they truly care about me, my life, and me stepping up and becoming a better version of myself. This is actually one of the, the harder things for myself being a coach, working with a lot of executives, is when they're going through something in their own lives, which is going to be basically all the time, you're going to have clients who are dealing with things, is you feel that as well. And you feel that at the heart level. You feel so connected to your players, your clients, that it's tough. It's constantly ruminating in your head because you care so deeply about them. And that's the best coaches. They care about their players, uh, about their team members, about their clients. That is something I've seen again and again. Another thing is they know when to push you to your limit and when you're already there and just need to lighten the mood a bit, right? They know when you've got something more in that gas tank and they're gonna push you to bring that out. But then there's those days where you know what? You you just need a support person. You don't need to be pushed any harder because you're basically at your breaking point and that's where they pull it back. They lighten the mood and, and they do little things to connect on a human level to let you know, you know what? I'm here. I've got your back and let's tone it down a little bit. Let's have some fun. That's a key one. Another is they set high standards and I think they provide support and a system to embody those standards. I haven't been around a great coach, whether it be on the field or off the field, who does not set extremely high standards both for themselves and the people they're working with, right? I think Jeff Bezos, he's the one who said, high standards are contagious. I believe that. You put people in a high standards environment and all of a sudden they're gonna raise their standards. Think about the Navy SEALs. You throw people in that environment, and granted, they are already high performers, I know that, 
but instantaneously, their standards gets raised even more. So that's that's one of the key things. The best coaches, they have extremely high standards. They provide support and build a system to embody those standards. And, and along the lines of that is they create a culture, that culture that supports those standards and goals they're going after. They build a unique culture that is the embodiment of, of them and their authenticity. So you can think about different coaches outside of the sports world is they better bring out their unique style to the clients they're working with. And for plenty of people, that doesn't work. Um, like we, we can use the sports examples, right? How Pete Carroll coaches is extremely different than how Bill Belichick coaches. Both have been successful. Both have won Super Bowl championships, but both are different. They're different in their own unique way. And I would argue that if Pete Carroll tried to coach as Bill Belichick does, he would suck. And I think if, if Bill Belichick tried to coach as Carroll does, he would suck, meaning they are not being authentic with who they are as leaders, as people. And that's what the best coaches do. They bring out their unique style and it's gonna connect for certain people and other people it will not be as great for. So th those are kind of the, the broad themes. I'd say they move the human heart. They help show me a potential that I didn't even really think or wasn't sure of within myself. They truly care about me and me becoming the best version of myself. And with that, they know when to push me when I've got a little gas left in that tank and when I don't. When I just need a freaking arm around my shoulder and say, you know what, I'm here for you, Sean, I've got you. But they also set that high standard. The, the day I walk in the door, there's a different standard here and they build the system and the environment to support that. And that's around their culture. That culture, that's an embodiment of who they are as a leader, as a person. It's their true authenticity coming out and shining through. I think that's really, really important. Um, all right, let's see. Next question. Are there any weaknesses or temptations that you constantly need to monitor or control to make sure you are the best version of yourself? Yeah, hell yeah, right? I, I'm, I'm thinking about this because I have been off Instagram for years. And anytime there was some things thrown up for the podcast, which was very little, uh, usually I was having someone else do it just because I didn't enjoy the platform. I realized that the things it was doing to me, the distractions, all of those things was not helping me be the best version of myself. And so recently I've gotten back on it because I feel like to move this podcast to the next level, I need to have more of a social presence, sharing things like this, both in my own thinking, my own coaching style, but also some of the amazing insights and conversations we're having on the podcast. So you can follow us on Instagram. You can search my name, Sean Delaney, or what got you there podcast. So let, let me start off by saying, if you want to understand the results you're getting, just look at the system that you've created. So if I'm going into temptations, it's often because the system I created allows me to feed into those temptations, right? So let's think about Instagram. When I wasn't on it, it wasn't on my phone. I wasn't logged in on my web browser. So actually, if I wanted to get on Instagram, it would, it would be somewhat annoying. It wasn't that easy. I see so many people, they put all their social media apps on the main screen of their phone. And I'm like, all right, you wanna click that 75 times a day? That's probably a, a good place to put it. So make it just a little bit harder. Add a little more friction. So that way you're less likely to do it. Create a better system that makes these weaknesses or these temptations harder to do, right? It's like, if you wanna be faithful and not have an affair, I would assume not going to a singles club five nights a week is a pretty damn good idea. Same thing, if you wanted to avoid Instagram, having it on your home screen probably isn't a good idea either. So you really need some awareness here to understand what your temptations are, what your weaknesses are. And then I would say there, there's probably about four really broad themes to think about when you're trying to work with your temptations. First, I mentioned it, you gotta become aware of the weakness or even aware uh, of the things you're, you're drawn to, tempted to, that knock you out of that zone of genius or that best version of yourself. So awareness is number one. 
then you need to figure out how they're holding you back and where you're trying to go. Like I said a few years ago, I had the awareness that Instagram was putting me into negative thought patterns. It was distracting me during times I needed to be hyper-focused. So I became aware of that. And I realized it was holding me back from getting to where I wanted to go. And so that's crucial. You need to figure out how they're holding you back from where you're trying to go. And then next, I would say, if they're necessary, like at this point in time, I'm saying for me to have a presence on Instagram, I think this is somewhat necessary. So what I'm trying to do now, because I've realized how harmful it is for my mental state, is now I'm trying to either limit them or outsource them. So how much of the social scheduling, the interaction and stuff like that, can I do in a different app or system where I don't even see Instagram and have someone automatically upload those things. And so figure out, is there a way to limit them or outsource them? And then the final one, I would say schedule time for these things, right? There, there are certain things we don't want to completely block out of our lives. Like we enjoy it. I, I have one close friend. He says he loves the ESPN app. And so what he ends up doing though, is every single day, I forget what time, maybe three 30 in the afternoon, his day's a little bit calmer at that time. So he gives himself 10 minutes. I'm going to jump on the ESPN app and I can click on whatever I want during that time. So he schedules it. So he knows exactly when he's going to get to do it. So, so that fix of that, that ESPN app is going to come at three 30 every single day. And, and so there's a, a few ways to work around the temptations, the weaknesses, because we all have them. It's becoming aware of them. Um, become aware of that weakness, figure out how it's holding you back from where you're trying to go, figure out if they're necessary. If so, limit the amount you use them or outsource them. And then if you really want them in your life, schedule some time for them. This is kind of how I deal with, with temptations. All right, this next one, what are the podcast guests that have had the biggest impact on you and your favorite conversations? This is from Brian from New Zealand. Let's go New Zealand. Awesome. All right. Well, thinking about that side of the world, let's go with Yen Liao. Now, I, I need to start this off. Yen Liao has been an incredible mentor, friend, compadre, whatever name you want to give to someone who's just been an incredible person and influence in your life. That's Yen Liao, and I think he had an incredible episode that is going to stand the test of time. That, that's one of the things I'm trying to do. Every guest is going to give me some bit of insight or knowledge that can help me perform better or do my job better. But the guests that I care the most about are the ones that are going to enliven my soul. And I'm hoping to bring that out in the conversations, and I think Yen Liao's conversation, his podcast, if you flick that one on, and this was two plus years ago. He is going to enliven your soul. He's going to inspire you. He's going to motivate you. He's going to talk to you about the hardships, the struggles he's had to overcome and about getting clear on what he's going after and then making it happen. So that's one I loved. Next up, Benjamin Zander. Oh, Benjamin Zander, the orchestra conductor for the Boston Philharmonic. Now, Benjamin brought up the best piece of leadership advice I have ever heard in such an incredible way. And so Ben was saying that when he was 45 years old, he had been conducting for 20 plus years already. And for the first time, he realized that the conductor doesn't make a sound. That's right. The conductor doesn't make a sound. Now he's the one who'll be on the front of the, the CD cover and he'll be the one everyone talks about and looks to, but he doesn't make a sound. So he needs the other people in the orchestra for him to be powerful or successful. And so what he realized, that in order for him to have power, he needs to make other people more powerful. And this is the cru crucial part. He said, and the way you know that, the way you do that, is if other people's eyes are shining. Can you make other people's eyes shine? Now this 
transformed how I thought about life. And the reason is, am I making my loved one's eyes shine? Am I making the people on my team in my life, the ones I care most about, am I making their eyes shine? And if not, that opens up a question for me. What can I do to make my loved one eyes shine? Now that was crucial. Benjamin shared that and that impacted me deeply. He also has a great book, The Art of Possibility, which dives into some beautiful thinking. And that's another major theme and takeaway from Benjamin is we we so often fight for negativity, to fight to go down that downward spiral, right? One negative thought, we allow it to lead to another, 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 instead of exploring life from a place of possibility. What's possible? What can I learn here? How can I get better? So he approaches life in this beautiful exploratory phase of just viewing everything as an endless possibility. And I, I got to spend some time with Benjamin not that long ago down here in Florida, and he is just such an incredible human being. So that's, that's another one, Benjamin Zander. Next up, I would say Will Gadara. And, and Will is the great restaurant tour. He was one of the, the people most responsible for 11 Madison Park, the legendary restaurant in New York, winning restaurant of the year. And he had this great question his dad had, and I want to say it was on a, a plaque or a, something that he put on his desk from a very young age. And his dad's question was, what would you do if you couldn't fail? What would you do if you couldn't fail? And Will says he used that question that had been ruminating in the back of his head for 20 years to be the main driving force behind what they did to radically transform 11 Madison Park and become the number one restaurant in the world. So that was one of the big takeaways from Will. The other one that gives me goosebumps to this day, and you have to listen to Will Gadara's episode for, for all these amazing takeaways, is when Will was, I think it was four or five or six, his mom was diagnosed with a, a, a type of tumor that was basically going to kill her very shortly or completely debilitate her. And they didn't think she had very long to live. So now he's 12. His mom is still alive. So this is six plus years uh, with her living this. And, and she can no longer speak. She can no longer walk. But what he said is every single day she would be wheeled out in her wheelchair to the end of his bus stop. So he would get off and he said, by the time I was 12, my mom couldn't talk, but man, could she smile. Think about that. Think about the power in that moment, a 12-year-old boy getting off the bus stop, seeing his paraplegic mom who can't talk to him, who can't walk, who can't hug him, but man, could she smile. He told me that, and I almost lost it on the podcast, thinking about the amount of love, emotion, of incredible human connection, nonverbal human connection. So that story left a deep impact on me, where I try to think about how can I bring what his mom brought in that smile to my loved ones, to the people in my life? What types of nonverbal communication can I do to let people know how much I care about the impact they've had on me? So that is a podcast that left a serious impact on me. That was Will Gadara. Uh, another one, and I, I'm just listing off ones that I think were, that I really enjoyed thinking back on. Granted, we're, we're close to 350 now, so there's plenty that I, I'm missing here, and I apologize to, to the great guests for that. But another one is, is Jim Detmer, the great leadership coach. He's the co-founder of Conscious Leadership Group. His book, The 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership, 
is absolutely incredible. He co-wrote that with Diana Chapman, who's been a recent guest on the pod, and, and she's a rock star as well. And, and Jim's framework of above or below the line, right? Like at, at all times, we're either above or below the line. Below the line is, is we're negative, you know, we're we're filled with pressure, anxiety, fear, hatred, anger, all of those things. That's when we're below the line. We're we're not in a good state. When we're above the line, that's when we're curious. We're exploring life from a place of possibility. We're more open and receptive. And so at all times, you can ask yourself, where am I? Am I above the line? Am I open? Am I curious? Or am I below the line? And so I think about that a lot, especially when I'm having conversations with team members or family members, like where are we at right now? Are you above the lo- or below the line? If we're both below the line, maybe this is not the best time for this type of conversation. So that was an important thing for me. It's, it's a phrase I think about, honestly, daily. Am I above or below the line? Another one is Jim brings up the point that he views everyone in life as an ally. Everyone in life as an ally. How does this change your perspective, your relationship with the other people that you're in deep relationships with or or that you pass by on the street, right? You get cut off in traffic. All right, this person is an ally. Maybe they're teaching you more compassion. Maybe they're teaching you to, to calm down, to slow down. So everyone is an ally. So when I find myself going critical towards other people, I step back and reflect and say, you know what? This person is an ally. What are they here to teach me? Another person that I deeply admire is Paul Black from WCM Investment Management. Now, Paul is a deeply curious person who's filled with humility, gratitude, uh, persistence, and he's got so many incredible messages and takeaways excuse me, so many incredible messages and takeaways in, in his podcast. And I love what he's been able to do in terms of just getting after it and showing up day after day, even during the worst times and the culture he's been able to build. So if you care about sustaining excellence for a long time, even through hardships, I'd listen to Paul Black's. And then the final one I'll bring up, and this one is a unique one. So if you were to ask me who on the world stage embodies the moral values and characters that align most with my thinking, I would say that is Brunello Cuccinelli, the legendary fashion designer of the company and creator Brunello Cuccinelli. Now, the reason I say that is Brunello is someone who has amassed a fortune. He is a a billionaire. His company produces hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions of profit per, per year. And what Brunello has done with that money is revolutionized the small farming village he grew up in. And to use Brunello's words, he said he grew up as a peasant. They barely had any money for anything. And he has created this incredible company. And not only that, he then has transformed the lives of so many people in the company, in his village. They've created amphitheaters and beautiful buildings. And he's thinking on thousand year time horizons. He wants to build monuments and buildings that are going to be around for hundreds, if not thousands of years. That's how he thinks. He is a long term thinker who is obsessed with beauty and quality. He loves the great Roman emperor Hadrian's quote that I love as well. And it's, I felt responsible for the beauty of the world. And Brunello brings that into his life. He embodies that. He empowers other people. He talks about how they shut up, the, shut off their company email at 5.30 because he believes in humanistic capital. We, we need to be people and humans first. And it's not just about profits. It needs to be profits in the right way. 
So Brunello just aligns so much with with what I try to embody, who I'm trying to become. The reason I said this was interesting is Brunello does not speak English. So when I had him on the podcast, we actually had to use his longtime interpreter, and she did a wonderful job. But the actual podcast interview, I ended up just basically reading from the transcript of our conversation, and it really wasn't much of a conversation. It was kind of funny. I just welcomed Brunello onto the show, and he basically talked for 45 minutes straight, telling his amazing life story, so many of the things and adversities he's overcome, and what's been in the back of his mind, how he's been thinking about his approach to life. So you, you can go on to the our YouTube page, What Got You There, and you can check out the video with, with me and Brunello there, and also his translator. But those are some of the people who have had a tremendous impact on me through the podcast. I've been fortunate enough to call them friends, colleagues, and, and people that I just so deeply admire. Uh, so those are some ones that when I see that question, those are ones that come top of mind for me. All right, here we go. This is a good question. Were there any eye-opening moments or experiences that helped define who you are today? Absolutely, 100%. And the moments that have had the greatest impact, sometimes in the moment, you're unaware of it. You're not sure this is a defining moment. Other times, you're, you're very sure about it. And, but so often, all of the who we are today, it, it only becomes clear by piecing the puzzle pieces looking backwards. We, we couldn't have done it at the time and understand how this chance occurrence or this experience would lead to who I became in, in 10, 15, 20 years. So I'll hit on a few. I know for my 300th episode, Dr. Michael Gervais interviewed me. I dive into some of them uh, specifically around my mom that had a tremendous impact on me. So I'd go back to that episode, listen to that. Another one that I'm not sure I've ever shared. I'll, I'll try to pull ones I don't, I'm not sure I've shared on the podcast ever. Uh, figure we're close to 350 episodes. I, I can open up here a bit more. So when I was in grade school, I was essentially obese. I was at least 50 pounds heavier than the next heaviest kid in my school. So I was incredibly fat. And one day, I was getting ready. I was in the fourth grade, so getting ready to go to middle school. And I just decided, you know what? I'm really freaking sick of looking like this, of feeling like this. And I made that decision that I'm going to change. I'm going to push myself. I'm going to eat better. I am going to try to move. And I'm going to lose this weight because I'm sick and tired of looking like this. And I actually did it. As a fourth grader, I made a decision, I took actions, and I proved to myself what I could do. And even though there were some incredibly challenging and hard times, I did it. And so at a really, really early age, in the, in the fourth grade, I realized the power that I possessed, the power to change who I was through belief, through hard work, through consistency. And that really, I think, defined me a lot. And so I'm really glad I had that experience. That was one. Another one around that time is I was playing football in the fifth grade. And I show up one day to this practice. So you have to understand, I was still much bigger at that time when registration for football happened. So instead of playing on my fifth grade team, which I think the, the weight would have been up to like 105 max. Remember in the fourth grade, I mean, I was, I was 140 plus pounds. I was huge. And so I had to play on the eighth grade team, the seventh and eighth grade team because of my weight. So I'm at practice and we have the most hard ass football coach, you know, like one of those guys who is just an old school, tough nose, 
Let's hit as much as humanly possible. Let's push these guys as hard as possible. And so I'm this fifth grade grader on this eighth grade team with the most aggressive coach you could imagine. And he put us through living hell this one night. I mean, it was nonstop physicality, running, pushing us mentally, just berating us as players. And I remember thinking, this is freaking impossible. Like, I I can't believe this human being is doing this to kids. And I can't believe I'm going on with this, right? And so my dad was actually like a volunteer coach. So when work would end for him, which wasn't until later in the evening, he'd come over and finish the, or come and just support the, the second half of practice. And I remember him showing up and kind of realizing like, whoa, the tone here is different. So I remember practice finally ends. And believe me, this was an extremely long practice. And we're walking off the field and I'm on like the verge of tears, this fifth grader who cannot believe that he just had to go through what he considered at the time hell. And I remember telling my dad, there's no fucking way I'm going tomorrow. I am done. There is no chance in hell I'm showing up for this coach on this team. And my dad said, you made a commitment to this team and you are not going to quit on them, and you are going to show up tomorrow. Now, I remember I got home that night, and I bawled crying to myself in the bathroom when I was showering, thinking about how hard that was and how I did not know how I was going to show up the next day. But guess what? I showed up the next day, and I showed up every day after that. And that was a defining moment for me, both getting through one of the most draconian things I could imagine at that age, um, showing up, not quitting, and proving to myself, you know what? Sometimes when you're going through hell, you can keep going and make it through. And I think that proved to myself that I could keep going through hell and make it through. So that was another one, another sports-related one, because I know I don't talk about uh, sports a lot. I had this amazing coach, uh, Bob Turco, who is still around an incredible human being. And I, I had an incredible phone call with him not that long ago. And we actually talked about this. And, and he pulled me aside one day during one of our games. And he said, the only person who can stop Sean Delaney is Sean Delaney. The only person who can stop you is you. We are our biggest defeaters or our biggest champions. And I think those, those first two stories around overcoming obesity at a young age and going through that hell of a football practice, the only person who could have stopped me there was me. I was going to be the reason I succeeded, and that empowered the hell out of me when Coach Turco told me this in middle school, that I am the only one who can stop me, and I believe that is true for everyone, all right? If we stick with pushing through persistency, the self-belief, it can do remarkable and incredible things for our lives. So you ask about eye-opening moments or experiences, oh, hell yeah. That conversation with Coach Turco, when he said that to me, that changed me. And I mentioned talking to him not that long ago. I brought this up, and it was really cool talking with someone who's been one of the most influential people in your life. And this is 20, 22 years later. He still remembers the moment as well, and I had no idea he did. That was really cool for me uh, recently talking to, to Coach Turco about that. Now, another one, um, and this this will be the last one I, I bring up here. <clears throat> so I don't want you to think I'm, I'm going all on and on here on uh, eye-opening moments or experiences that helped define me. This one was a, a bit closer. So we lost someone who was extremely uh, close to us in my family. And within a short period of time, I started having some serious health issues that we couldn't figure out and were going undiagnosed. And so these were two, let's call them somewhat traumatic experiences. And I didn't really understand how traumatic they were for me at the time. 
So what I mean by that is on, on the health issues, it was the night before Thanksgiving and my wife and I were on the phone with my neurologist and he's basically saying, Sean, you really should take time to truly appreciate these holidays because these might be your final ones here. And I was like, holy shit. I mean, this I was 30 years old hearing that and it was just rattling. And so that how it happens the night before Thanksgiving. 12 hours later, we wake up on Thanksgiving morning and that's actually when my wife and I found out my wife was pregnant with our first child. And so what this did, these experiences, death, the coming to face with what I thought was potentially my mortality and understanding I'm bringing a new one into the world, it essentially got me crystal freaking clear on the importance of our lives, the short time we're here, and God damn it, we better fucking show up with everything we've got and make the most of it. And those things really crystallized that for me. They really crystallized that for me. We need to have more of an impact on the people around us, the the teams we're a part of. And so you ask me about moments that that helped define me. Uh, those ones coming together in such a short period of time, it was like, no, 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 I, I'm I'm done accepting mediocrity within myself uh, of not going after my dreams, of not letting my loved ones know how much I care about them. So that was a really transformative time for me. Um, all right, so those are some of the experiences that helped define me. I think it's really helpful if you actually go back and decouple your past, think about some of those moments that define you, that changed you, what did you learn from, how did you grow? And one of the most helpful exercises I'll do is, is I will go back and look at failures or the hardest things I went through and then shift them to a positive. So how did I grow through this? How did I learn? What did I learn? How did I become better because of this situation? Because so often we try to avoid failures, setbacks, challenges, and that's a detriment to us. Because if you look back over your life, the times you grew the most, the times you've experienced the most learning, rapid learning, was probably during times of hardships, of tough things. And so if we can appreciate what we've learned from the past, then when we deal with those situations in the future, we might have a different and more optimistic mindset in the moment. It's not going to make the moment that much easier, but it will help us get through because we know there's a light on the other side of this tunnel and we are going to grow through this. So those are some of the, the key moments Another one here is what advice would you give your younger self? I think everything's something that's helpful here is that this is the advice I would give my younger self. So we're all different. We all have different experiences. So some of this advice might not be helpful for you. And I think that's important anytime someone giving you advice is they're giving the advice most likely that would be most helpful for themselves. So it might not be applicable to you. So really be strategic in terms of who you ask advice for, what advice they should be giving, and what they're qualified for to give advice on. So in terms of just a general question, what advice would I give my younger self? Here's a few of them. I would say there is no speed limit to personal growth, right? There are speed limits to the cars we drive, the the speed that we can run at, how physical, how much strength we can get. There's limits to that. Personal growth, you can dramatically shift your mind, your beliefs, how you go about this world instantaneously. We call them light bulb moments. I was interviewing Anson Durrance, who is the head women's soccer coach at the University of North Carolina. 
He's won 20 plus, I'm pretty sure, national championships. He's coached some of the greatest soccer players of all time. He was talking about a moment in his office with Mia Hamm, who's one of the greatest female soccer players of all time. And he basically posed the question. He said, who do you want to be? Who are you going to become in this world, on this soccer field? And he said he was in his office with her and he flicked the lights off and he flicked them on. And he said, this is a light bulb moment. You can flick on the switch to an entirely different Mia, one who has tenacity, grit, who gives everything she freaking has on this field. And you can make that decision in this moment. So that's the first one. I don't think there's a speed limit to personal growth, so I would have gone so much faster on that. The next, uh, in terms of speed, the faster that you can get comfortable and be able to push through the challenges, setbacks, and failures, that is gonna determine how far and how fast you can go in life. So I would not try to avoid being uncomfortable. I would not try to avoid challenges, setbacks, failures, things I tried to avoid, or I tr- I did try to avoid in my early 20s. No, I would I would have run head first to them and I would have gotten really freaking curious in the moment. What can I learn here? How can I improve? How can I get better? And so part of that is that self-reflection within those moments. I would have done that a lot more. Next, I would say, relationships are everything. Build them, cultivate them, prioritize them. The people who matter most, make sure they know it. Make sure you're giving them the attention they need. Put them first. It is so crucial. It, I think about this for, for basically everything, right? Like your overall happiness later in life. There's a lot of scientific research for men. Close friendships is one of the key things in happiness if you lose your spouse. The other thing, your spouse, best friend, relationships, it needs to be really fucking good, all right? Uh, you better put a lot of time, thought towards who you're gonna spend your life with. And and for me, I did do that, but that's one I, I would definitely recommend. And then think about it. If you wanna get a job, if you wanna build a business, you are not gonna do it alone. People can speed that up dramatically for you, and that comes down to relationships. So just really think about them, build them, cultivate them, prioritize them. I would also say find the things people and activities that light up and feed your soul. Don't do things that poison your soul. Don't suck the life out of yourself. Find those things, those people, those activities that light you up. To get back to Benjamin Zander's line, right? Awaken the possibility in other people's. Are their eyes shining? What are you doing? Who are you spending time with that makes your eyes shine? Spend more time and energy on those things because like I said, we have one life and there is no point in doing things that do not light and feed your soul. The next, I would focus on who I wanted to be 20 years from now as opposed to who I wanted to be right now. I think when I was a bit younger, I made too many short-term decisions that I look back on obviously now and laugh and that shows growth, which I'm proud of. But I, I would have gotten clear about who I was working to become, you know, more of that Brunello Cuccinelli a, a bit younger. I still think I did that, but I would have spent more time truly thinking about that and working on that. So these were some incredible questions. I am so fired up you guys sent these over. We're going on for close to an hour now, so I think we'll probably wrap this up here. I would love doing this again, so keep sending me the questions. The way to do that, subscribe to my Momentum Monday newsletter. Or you can shoot me an email, info at whatgotyouthere.com. That's probably one of the best ways to interact with me, to send questions for more AMAs. I still just want to stop and say thank you for all the listeners who listen, who support the show. 
You guys mean the world to me. I love getting to do this, share these incredible conversations. Please, 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 if you could, share this podcast, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, write reviews, share on social if you hear an amazing clip. Please, anything you guys can do to support the show, it makes all of this possible. So once again, thanks so much. Momentum breeds momentum. Keep getting after it. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. You guys made it to the end of another episode of What Got You There? I hope you guys enjoyed it. I really do appreciate you taking the time to listen all the way through. If you found value in this, the best way you can support the show is giving us a review, rating it, sharing it with your friends, and also sharing on social. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Looking forward to you guys listening to another episode.